The Greek word for gospel is a compound word. It's put together from the two words that form good news. And the message of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection as atonement for our sins is the singular thread that runs throughout the entire scripture and connects God's redemptive plan for humankind. Paul said that it is the power uh, of God unto salvation. This message, the, this, the, the words of the gospel, <clears throat> it was spoken by the Lord himself in Genesis. It was uh, promised to Abraham. It was reiterated in David. It was um, foreshadowed in the law of Moses. And it's spoken of by the apostles and their acts and the letters to the church, and to this very day. The church has been given the responsibility to tell others. It is a duty we must take seriously. I want us to learn from biblical examples, teachings, and principles on how to be better bearers of this good news. And that's what we're going to look at for the month of August. Ultimately, leading up to, Lord willing, a missions conference. How wonderful would that be? Today, I want us to specifically learn from the first evangelists, or what I consider to be the first evangelists. The day of the resurrection. Let us turn our Bibles to the Gospels and keep a finger open on the last chapters of the Gospels and then in John, the second last chapter. The day of the resurrection, people went out and told others what they had witnessed. These were essentially the first evangelists. He is risen! This simple phrase is at the core of the gospel, is it not? It's John 20, Matthew chapter 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, but we'll turn there in due time, so don't hesitate, uh, don't worry. These people were not who you would expect them to be, nor were the reactions that they received. <clears throat> I'm going to read first from Mark chapter 16, even though we're primarily going to look at John and Matthew um, in these verses today, um, Mark 16 really summarizes the events of that day and ultimately it, it nails home the point of what we're going to learn today. So Mark 16 from verse 9. <clears throat> I'll read it for us. Now, when Jesus was risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and 
told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. <clears throat> and they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterwards he appeared unto the eleven and they, as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had been seen and heard that he was risen. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you for the amazing responsibility and opportunity to carry the good news that you have made us a part of that. And I pray that we may do it all in your power and to your glory. Amen. <clears throat> so let's um, just run through the events of the resurrection day. Um, look at a quick timeline for context and because it'll, it'll really help us to learn from this passage in the future. There's a lot going on there. Uh, we're not going to look at all the, the doctrinal significance, but in the multiple chapters, the writers emphasize different things about the day and um, they fill in different details and it can seem a little bit overwhelming if you, um, <clears throat> if you read the account altogether. So this is my understanding of the events of the day and um, I'm sure other writers may put things in a different, um, slightly different order. Um, but follow along with me, okay? <clears throat> uh, it was early in the morning, uh, before the sun came up on the first day of the week. They were not allowed to um, anoint Jesus' body during the Sabbath. <clears throat> so they came at the soonest convenient opportunity, uh, which was the Sunday, um, before the sun rose. And it was several women that came with him, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, <clears throat> Mary, the, the mother of James, um, and other women that were mentioned in Luke chapter 7, and Salome. Then, um, as they went to attend the, the body with the spices, um, there were Roman guards posted outside of the tomb <clears throat> and an angel with, it says, the countenance of lightning um, appeared to the guards uh, and scared them into a stupor. It says they were like dead men and he rolled the massive stone away. <laughs> and then by the time the woman arrived, the stone was rolled away. <clears throat> and this is my understanding of it <clears throat> from John chapter 20, the first verse, it says that Mary saw the stone had rolled away and ran to go and tell the disciples. 
The other women that were, what were there went to go and investigate the open tomb. And um, inside they found an angel, it says, sitting on the right side of where Jesus' body had laid and the, um, the burial wraps had been folded and placed there. And, um, and he says, who, who do you seek? He is no longer here. He is risen. Uh, and the angel instructs them to go and tell the disciples that Jesus is going on ahead. And, uh, and they run, and it says they were fearful and joyful at the same time. So while this is happening, <clears throat> Mary finds Peter and John. Okay? And she tells them in, in John chapter 20, Someone has taken the Lord's body. It's gone. I saw the stone rolled away. It's gone. And they run to go and inspect the empty tomb. <clears throat> and they get there and it's empty. The angel is gone. The women that were there have already left. Um, they just find the, the folded napkins, it says. And... Um, they become despondent. It says that they, that they just leave and they go to their own home. They start um, making preparations to go back to Galilee. <clears throat> Mary stays behind, weeping and mourning the loss of her Lord, which in her mind has, has been stolen or, or removed. Jesus uh, appears there. She doesn't immediately recognize him. He says, why do you seek the living one among the dead? And uh, he calls out her name affectionately. He says, Mary. And so overwhelmed with joy, <laughs> it says that Jesus has to, um, he said, she wanted to run and, and, and you know, with, with all the love of, that the heart can muster, and he says, There's, there'll be a time for that when I've not yet ascended, um, but for now, go and tell the disciples. And then she does. She runs to go and tell the disciples. Perhaps uh, Peter and John were closer to the, the grave, and she ran into them. Perhaps the rest of the disciples, not even in Jerusalem anymore, it doesn't say <clears throat> and, um, and then she goes. <clears throat> the other women, Jesus appears to them next. The women that were commanded by the angel, it says that they fall down on the floor and they, and they worship him and they touch his feet and they're so overwhelmed with joy. And he also says, go and tell my brethren. And, um, and somewhere along the line, um, they go, uh, and they repeat the message that Mary also has gone to, to tell the disciples, says the eleven and others that were with him, them. And, um, and shockingly, the message is not received. They say they were treated as idle tales. <clears throat> the guards that were shocked into stupor, 
they also go and tell people. They go and tell the high priests. You would not believe what happened. He is actually risen. <clears throat> the high priests bribe them. If a Roman soldier, a guard specifically, failed at his duty, his life was forfeit. It came down especially to um, uh, guarding prisoners, but the same rule applied. They said, make sure nobody gets into this tomb, and they failed. The priests convinced them, we'll speak to your superiors, we'll make sure you're not put to death, here's some hush money, tell the people that the disciples did steal the body. And it says in Matthew that that rumor persisted to the day that Matthew wrote these words down. If you told the Jew, did you know Jesus is risen? Oh, no, 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 that's a conspiracy. The disciples stole his body. That was believed commonly. And then finally, Jesus appears much later in the day to the two disciples. They were making their way to Emmaus. They had heard this crazy story from the, from the woman, and, uh, and they were debating, and they were going through the scriptures, and they were trying to make sense of the, of the matter. And Jesus appears to them as well, and he travels with them. And it says, and he showed them through the prophets and the law everything concerning himself. And, uh, and they, they believed, and they went to go and tell the disciples again. And the disciples still did not believe until finally the end of that day, Jesus appears to them in the flesh and upbraids them for the hardness of their heart. So that's the events of the day. It's quite a lot to take in, but uh, hopefully we have a bit of a timeline now that we can attach our uh, sermon to. So firstly, the first unlikely evangelist was Mary Magdalene, the weeping young, young woman at the empty tomb. She was mourning the loss of her Lord, as I said, shaken by the events of the days before where she, to witness the crucifixion. It was Jesus who appeared to her first. I'm reading in John chapter 20 from verse 11. Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. As she wept, she stooped down and looked inside, and she seeth uh, two angels, white sitting, um, the one at the foot and the other one at the, uh, at the head where Jesus' body had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she says, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And then she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be a gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where that I may take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary, <laughs> just her name. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, Jesus said, <laughs> most likely overwhelmed with 
affection and emotion. He said, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, send um, that I will ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples what she had heard and seen of the Lord and had spoken these things unto her. Her sadness soon replaced by overwhelming joy. <clears throat> by the way, uh, Magdalene, um, Magdala was a place, it was a city in the, the Galilean region, so it was to say Mary of Magdala. It's not her surname. Um, her sadness was overwhelmed with joy. Um, it says that the other women were, were frightened and joyful. He didn't make himself immediately known on this occasion and the occasion before that, but he calls her by name and her grief is replaced. With all this joy and excitement, can you, can you imagine it? I, have you ever been so excited? And so, I, the words, I can't even find the words. To find the disciples, to share this good news with with such elation, only to be so horribly shut down, deflated. It says, as we read um, <clears throat> in Luke, um, that their words were considered as idle tales, as fairy tales, a story made up by a child, that they didn't even... doubt um, on an argumentative level that it was so ridiculous that they didn't even entertain the idea. Has this happened to you? Perhaps you're, you're newly saved and you feel the, the, the joy of what Christ has done for you and... Um, and you want to share the news with someone only to be politely told stop wasting my time sometimes it's not so polite <clears throat> at Imachun if you guys have ever been with Mandre to evangelize at Imachun there's um, there are several residents there that um, when we come knocking on the doors to tell people we're having a service, uh, usually they leave their door open. And they would stand up. And the first time this happened to me, I was, I was quite taken aback. I thought he was coming to greet me. He stood up and he slammed the door in my face. <clears throat> this happens. What about the second unlikely evangelists? The frightened watchmen. Listen to who they told. The people that put Christ to death in the first place. Matthew 28, verse 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the, uh, the watch came unto the city and sowed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they had, were assembled with the elders, 
they had taken counsel and gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you, because they would have been in big trouble. Persuading is maybe just more sums of money. I don't know. So they took the money and did as they were taught. These guys were, were scared. They were scared for their lives. They were scared because they'd just seen an angel, which, by the way, never, never, never is a pleasant experience for anyone that witnesses an angel. They were scared of the unknowns. They were scared of the authority. And so they accepted the assurance of these influential men and the assurance that comes with a bag of money. And, um, and they distributed a lie. <clears throat> Have you ever seen this? Maybe not firsthand. Has the truth ever been so tangible, so so real, so undeniable that you had to tell someone. These guys didn't believe, but they told someone. Even the Pharisees who didn't believe acknowledged that it was true. They didn't say, you're talking rubbish, that's impossible. They said, oh my goodness, okay, Here's hush money to distribute a lie. They must have believed that it was true. Unbelief surprisingly doesn't always look the way that we think. It's not always casual dismissal. These guys didn't believe because they desired their sin more. Can we relate to this? Maybe on the one side, um, the gospel truth is so real that you would put aside your fears to tell someone, even when it costed your life. <laughs> They could have made plans. They could have not gone to tell those guys and, 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 you know, rolled the stone back or done a million other things or put another body inside. They could have made their own plans. But it was so undeniable, they told someone. What about... <clears throat> What about the rebellious believer? The person that is so unwilling to remit their sins, to change their lifestyle, that even though the truth is clear, they will still deny it. <clears throat> Let's quickly look at our third unlikely set of evangelists. <clears throat> uh, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus that we read about in Luke and, uh, and Mark. They went, um, they, they went to the scriptures for answers. We'll read it now. They had 
God's word with them. And Jesus showed them from that word everything concerning himself. And when they went to go tell their brethren again, they were again met with unbelief. Listen, Luke 24, verse 13, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, um, which was from Jerusalem, uh, about three score furlongs, and uh, they talked together all these things that had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed um, together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He says, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. They didn't recognize him immediately. Huh? Um, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wow. Talk about a, a Bible lesson. I would have very much liked to be a part of that. <clears throat> when they got to their destination and they, and they told the disciples, you would not believe it. It's true. Christ is risen. And they were shot down. Maybe... I'm sure the reaction was, but, but look at the scriptures. Look at Moses. Look at Isaiah. Look, <clears throat> it's been there all along. They were talking about it, the resurrection. And they, and they, and they, they poured um, logic and reason, and it makes sense. And then to be shot down with unbelief again. The inclination when we share the gospel is to heap up so much arguments and so much logic that it eventually outweighs the person's unbelief and somehow convinces them. <clears throat> you just want to shake the person by the shoulders and why won't you believe? The gospel in faith makes perfect sense there is nothing more sensible but the word says that we are blinded to the truth and 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 our heart is um it says oh you fool the person that denies the truth in, in proverbs so jesus rebuked them for the hardness of their hearts You see, when we go out to tell people about Jesus, this is their first reaction. This is the reaction that we must expect unbelief. Rejection even. This is what Jesus himself said would happen. This is the state of a person's heart. The Holy Spirit calls us to repentance and faith. God saves. Nevertheless, the reception of the message, when we share it, we should expect unbelief. John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is 
expected for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. The gospel is not just an inconvenient truth for people. It is open heart surgery that cuts to the core of the human condition and promises to administer the cure. It's painful, it's overwhelming, it's frightening, it's offensive to people. Of course, people will reject it. But we must speak it regardless. This is our duty. This is our divine orders from our commander. It is central to our job description as Christians. We don't share the gospel because we expect a result. We share it because we are commanded to. And if there is any expectation, it should be that people will react negatively. Here are a few things that you can keep in mind when you share the gospel. God's holiness. Speak about man's sinfulness and Christ's act of redemption. And secondly, there must be a call to repentance and faith in Christ. That when the message is shared, you must prompt that person to respond. Trust that the Holy Spirit and God's sovereignty will save that person. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 13. If you need a verse to evangelize with, write down Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 13. If thou confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's verse 9. I want us to have realistic expectations about our responsibility in evangelism. I want us to not let people's reaction be the motivation or the deterrent. And I want us to very, very seriously consider this duty. As a church, we're going to look at evangelism in October. Brother Mandre is... Um, working on a project. Uh, we've secured a bunch of funds to buy a lot of Bibles, and we're going to be doing some evangelism this week. And Lord willing, I, I would like to have a missions conference by the end of the year. I would like to um, have the evangelism workshop um, run concurrently to that somehow. And I want us to get excited and aware of this 
great calling. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you once again that we can learn through example from the stories and the history in Scripture. Thank you that you give it to us to, to learn from and that within the pages of this book lies the gospel message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.